Hepburn. This being a certified case, the government is the appellant and will go first. Government prepared to argue. Yes, Your Honor. The appellant's the defense. Yes, Your Honor. Government may argue. Thank you. Good morning, Chief Judge Stuckey, members of the court. I am Major Peter Kellett. I represent the United States in this proceeding with my co-counsel, Ms. Mary Ellen Payne. Chief Judge Stuckey, may I reserve three minutes for rebuttal? Yes. Thank you. Proceed. This court should reverse the lower court's decision and uphold military judge's denial of appellee's motion to suppress for three reasons. The issue was waived at trial, the good faith exception applies, and any deterrent effect would not outweigh the cost of exclusion. First, under waiver, appellee never alleged, either expressly or by implication, that Tech Sergeant D.D. made false misstatements or was reckless when presenting information to the magistrate. For that reason, the government did not have an opportunity to present relevant evidence that may be reviewed on appeal. Simply put, whether the affidavit was false or reckless was not the focus of appellee's motion. This is further evidenced by the fact that appellee also did not raise the issue on appeal to the CCA. Therefore, this court should find that the issue was waived and uphold the military judge's denial of the motion to suppress. Second, even if this court finds no waiver, the military judge did not abuse his discretion by finding the good faith exception applied. The CCA read Tech Sergeant D.D.'s affidavit in a hyper-technical manner that is inconsistent with the Fourth Amendment. When read from a common sense perspective, the affidavit was not facially deficient and did not contain false or recklessly omitted information. It stated appellee's minor stepdaughter, while undressing for a shower, discovered that appellee had set a hidden video camera to record her in the bathroom. The affidavit also conveyed that appellee had asked his minor stepdaughter for nude pictures on prior occasions and even held a video camera over the shower curtain bar while she was showering. And based on her own common sense understanding of camcorders, the magistrate determined appellee would transfer such a video to other electronic devices. There was a substantial basis in the eyes of a law enforcement officer for the magistrate to find probable cause that evidence of a crime would be found in appellee's home and on his electronic storage media. Therefore, the military judge did not abuse his discretion in finding the good faith exception applied. Third and finally, the deterrent effect of exclusion does not outweigh the cost to the justice system. The evidence in question, appellee's videos of his nude stepdaughter, is powerful evidence to prove the indecent recording charge in this case, which was an egregious crime worthy of prosecution and punishment from society's perspective. On the other hand, the record discloses no bad faith on the part of the government. AFOSI investigated, consulted with an attorney, and sought a search authorization before seizing any evidence from appellee's home. There is no evidence of an intent to violate or recklessly disregard appellee's Fourth Amendment rights. Therefore, the deterrent effects of suppression are low, and the military judge did not abuse his discretion by ruling that exclusion would be inappropriate in this case. Thank you, counsel. I have one start-up question. Leaving waiver aside for the moment, why isn't this Nieto? Or, for that matter, a fortiori from Nieto? Your Honor, the question in this case is not centered on probable cause, but good faith. Nieto was decided prior to this court resolving the tension in Carter and 
Carter obviously clarified that the second prong of the good faith exception should be viewed through the eyes of a reasonable law enforcement officer. And in this case, it was reasonable. The law enforcement presented evidence that Apelli had tried to record his stepdaughter nude. He had asked for those pictures on a prior occasion. And also, he had tried to use a video camera to record her while she was in the shower by placing the video camera above the shower curtain bar. These facts were enough to show that Apelli had, in fact, at least attempted to commit a crime, even if he didn't actually do that. But obviously, the evidence in this case showed that he did. And also, the nature of a video camera, a camcorder, is totally different from the cell phone used in Nieto. And also, Nieto was, the offense was committed in a deployed environment, which is also different from the facts of this case. Here, a camcorder was used. The OSI agent and the magistrate understood and articulated their common understanding of camcorders, that those types of devices are regularly connected to computers. Whereas, this court found in Nieto that the... Are you saying Nieto with respect to the device used there? The device used there was a, I mean, excuse me, a cell phone. And this court recognized that cell phones are regularly used by people to store data, take videos, and keep them on their phones. In this case, a camcorder is regularly, is not regularly used to actually view videos. I mean, common sense understanding of the way camcorders work is that... You know, you're a fool of me. I don't have any common sense understanding of that. But go ahead. Your Honor, I would say that also that the Federal Circuit Courts have regularly held that it is reasonable for a magistrate to find that evidence of a crime would be found on a computer if the defendant used a camcorder to commit the crime. A camcorder... Well, of course, it's evidence of a crime, but the crime was child pornography, which was not found. Yes, so I agree that Tech Sergeant Deedee could have probably better articulated what crime was being investigated. But this court found in Perkins that the law enforcement improper legal reasoning is not a determinative factor as to whether or not there is a good faith exception applies. Thank you. Judge O'Reilly. Counsel, if we agree with you that the CCA decided the search authorization question on a basis that was not raised by the appellant at trial, do we need to decide the other two questions? No, Your Honor. Obviously, if this court finds that it's waived, that it does not need to reach the actual question that the CCA decided, and it can uphold the military judge's decision. Thank you. I have no further questions. Judge Olson. Good morning, Counsel. So I'd like to focus then on that issue of waiver. Now, Blackburn argued at the trial level that OSI's citation of child pornography as the underlying offense was inflammatory, and yet OSI did it anyways, even though they didn't have enough evidence to support the elements of that offense. Why wasn't that, by implication at a minimum, an argument by Blackburn that OSI had acted recklessly? Your Honor, I think that 
there's a kind of conflation of what is information and what is a legal conclusion in the affidavit. Um, OSI, what they, what they thought they were looking for is not actual information that they had obtained to um, uh, during the investigation. That was just an improper legal conclusion. Um, but to the extent that this court finds that that sufficiently preserved the issue, um, there was enough information to show that that was not reckless in this case. Okay, I'm, I'm focusing on waiver here for a moment. So yes, now the first prong of the test of whether GS, uh, the good faith exception does not apply is was the affidavit false or reckless? So the military judge had to engage in that analysis, correct? Uh, yes, Your Honor. So why, since that was addressed by the military judge, and it was brought up in the context of the good faith exception by Blackburn, why was this waived? Well, Your Honor, the the, the fact that the, the judge has to go through the entire analysis doesn't doesn't necessarily equate to Appelli having actually preserved the issue. Appelli never used the word false or misstatement or reckless. In the so you have to make a talismanic incantation if you're defense counsel? No, Your Honor, but they do have to sufficiently articulate what objection is being interpreted to understand what they should present in the rebuttal. The defense counsel also did not ask Test Sergeant D.D. about the use of the term child pornography, nor did he ask the magistrate about the term child pornography and whether the magistrate was actually misled by that term, which is also critical in deciding whether a reckless misstatement um, would uh, violate the good faith exception. And here there's no evidence that uh, the magistrate uh, was misled because, I mean, there was nothing presented on that point by either side because defense counsel did not sufficiently raise the objection. My time's expired. Thank you. Judge Clark. Um, good morning, counsel. How are you? Good. Good morning, Your Honor. Good. I'd like to follow up a little bit on Judge Olson's question and I guess my understanding is that the reason why we have a waiver rule um, is that one of the things we want to do is we want to let the military judge or the trial judge know what the issues are so that, you know, he can make, he or she can make the best, uh, the best call at the trial level. Now, I'm, I'm concerned about this, this issue that he didn't say the right words. Because as I recall, in the from the record, I think at trial, defense counsel made the claim that, uh, at least three instances, that there's no reasonable inference that people naturally make backup electronics, um, that there's no substantial basis for determining probable cause, and that the affidavit clearly lacks sufficient information. So it seems to me the military judge was more than on notice and about how he should proceed in dealing with this issue. Um, I can understand if the accused is, way, is raising an issue that simply wasn't addressed at the trial level at all, then that's why we have the waiver rule, because we don't want appellate courts having to go through this fact-finding and everything else. We want the person closest to the issue at the time of the trial to make the call. So can you, do you, you simply disagree with me, I suppose, that what I've just uh, iterated was enough to uh, get out of the waiver question. 
I, I would disagree because that's okay. Uh, well, I would just say that those three points—those uh, three points—are more are more likely or were um, raising issues with the affidavit to say that they were a bare bones. It was a bare bones affidavit, not that it was false or reckless, or that there was information that was omitted that should have been presented to the magistrate. With respect to transferability and, and those sorts of questions, that's information OSI simply did not have at the time. So OSI cannot be said that they falsely or false or recklessly omitted that information to the magistrate. So the, the those objections, those three points made by defense counsel went towards bare bones affidavit and not the prong of uh, false or reckless misstatement. Right, and at the, at, the, at the risk of using more of my time than I'm allowed, I thought the military judge in this case actually found that, um, <clears throat> that there was no evidence law enforcement misled the magistrate with false information or showed a reckless disregard for the truth. So, again, you would, I guess you would just simply disagree with the premise I'm putting forward, even based on the, the military judge's findings. Well, yes, Your Honor. The, the judge still has to, to find that there was no reckless misstatement or, or, or a false statement made to the magistrate because that, that's a requirement for the good faith exception. But the government wasn't able to develop any information in rebuttal because defense counsel simply did not raise that objection adequately um, to the military judge. Uh, Thank you, counsel. Judge Mags. Uh, good morning, Major Kelly. Uh, my question um, has to do with, suppose, uh, suppose that uh, we agree with the government that the specific reasoning a uh, specific issue that the uh, CCA uh, decided was waived, um, or we agree with the dissent that even if it wasn't waived, it doesn't have merit. What about the other arguments for whether the good faith exception applies? Don't we have to consider those, or should we send it back to the CCA for the CCA to consider those since it seems if we agree that it decided the case on an improper basis? Uh, no, Your Honor. This court can review the military judge's decision of use of discretion independent of the CCA's review because um, this court does an overview of all probable cause discrimination and can rely on the findings of fact that the military judge made. So um, if we, uh, if, uh, in your brief, you suggest that if we find this to be waived, then we simply reverse uh, the CCA, but uh, wouldn't we then have to go through all of the other uh, arguments uh, that had been raised about whether there was good faith or not, not just this particular argument. Oh, you mean below, Your Honor? Well, uh, I mean, before we decide the case, I mean, if we decide that uh, the particular argument was uh, waived, there were still other arguments that were made that were not waived. Uh, don't we have to consider all of those, and wouldn't we be considering all those in the first instance? Or not the first instance, but we wouldn't be reviewing the CCA. I, I agree, Your Honor, but in, in a situation like this, this court has the authority to review the, uh, the military judge's decision, even, even if the lower court uh, incorrectly decided the, the military judge's decision, it can find that it does not need to remand because the military judge did not abuse his discretion in any instance. Okay, I've got that, but, uh, but what you're saying, though, is that we can't just simply reverse. On, we can't say it's waived, we reverse. We have to say uh, it's waived. And now we move on to the other arguments and consider those arguments. Isn't that correct? Uh, 
example, there's about four different uh, requirements for uh, good faith, lack of judicial review, facially deficient affidavit, uh, facially deficient uh, warrant, good faith. Um, you know, the, uh, the reckless information provided is just one uh, of several arguments for good faith. And if we conclude that that argument is, is invalid or was waived, wouldn't we still have to go through and address all the other arguments? Oh, uh, well, th those, uh, I, I would submit, Your Honor, that those were all considered by the, the lower court as well uh, and the military judge, but uh, that, that was the sole basis. The, the sole basis that they found error is the reason that they reversed it, it while still reviewing those other uh, exceptions under the good faith exception, or elements under the good faith exception. Thank you, counsel. Um, uh, the uh, allotted time has expired. Any judge may now ask questions. Counsel, you may continue to argue. I have a question, and that is, if the judge, in fact, ran through all this stuff, what's that do to waiver? Well, if, you know, if, he, if he considered all that stuff on the list, then how is there a waiver? Well, Your Honor, the, while the military judge still had to go through each element of the system, the government, for, I mean, the policy reasons outlined in, um, in Perkins, Smith, and Robinson indicate that the government needs to be put on notice to know what they are. Well, if the government were to sleep, I think it's on notice. The government was conscious when all this was going on in the trial, it would seem like they were on notice. Well, Your Honor, they were never, they were never on notice with respect to reckless statements. They were only on notice about the, the lack of probable cause, the objection or the allegation that there was no probable cause. Okay, so, so it really is a magic words incantation. No, Your Honor, I don't, I, I don't necessarily think that there has to be magic words raised, but Defense counsel never mentioned uh, uh, the, that Tech Sergeant DD was reckless uh, in any way, either implicitly or expressly. It doesn't have to be a magic incantation, but there was obviously no uh, testimony wasn't focused on, on that objection, um, and only an argument that he, did he make a passive reference to uh, adding the, the term of child pornography um, to the affidavit. Um, never during the why did not use uh, the charge in decent recording. They could have sufficiently asked the magistrate whether uh, Tech Sergeant D.D. Uh, misled her or she felt misled, whether Tech Sergeant D.D. intended to mislead her, or whether, in fact, he was reckless. Um, and they would have showed that the magistrate was, in fact, not misled by the term child pornography. When the magistrate testified, she, she it was clear that she focused on specific video of ES and whether there was a fair probability that Pelly would have transferred it to a device in his home. She never mentioned the word child pornography and there's no evidence to indicate the use of the term will have heard authorized the search. 
in the, in the appellant's home on his electronic storage media. Counsel, I have three questions, which is, one, what weight, if any, do we give to the fact that a lawyer was consulted before the warrant was issued? Your Honor, that obviously plays into the fact of whether the officers believed that the magistrate had a substantial basis was reasonable. And given the fact that they consulted with a lawyer while on the call, that helps to show that the, or that shows that it wasn't reasonable. The law enforcement had no reason to believe it wasn't reasonable because a lawyer assisted with the search authorization. Then my second question, which is sort of related, which is, is it the case, I mean, I understand that you could have indecent recording that's not child pornography and child pornography that's not the result of indecent recording, but can't you have an indecent recording that is child pornography? Absolutely, Your Honor. You could have both. And OSI didn't have enough information to know whether or not it was lascivious in this case. And that may have been why they used that term. And to your previous question, I'd also like to add that the lawyer and law enforcement did not have the benefit of Nieto in this case. And then my last question was, it seems to me that the military judge, when deciding that there was no probable cause, seemed to believe that the OSI people did not know whether an appellant had a computer. Is that correct? I thought that the wife had told them that he had a computer and that he was really adept at computers and he knew he had a bunch of computers. Yes, Your Honor, that's correct. The OSI knew by the time they had applied for their search authorization that Apelli owned several computers. So that finding of fact was erroneous? Yes, Your Honor. Clearly erroneous, Your Honor. Other questions for counsel? Go ahead, counsel. Yes, Your Honor. And to the use of the term child pornography, it was not a complete mischaracterization to state that Apelli tended to manufacture it. Whether or not he actually captured a lascivious exhibition of the genitals is irrelevant when it comes to whether or not he intended to manufacture it by surreptitiously reporting about it while she was undressing. Also, there's no evidence, again, that the magistrate was misled by any of the statements in the affidavit that this court may find to be incorrect. And there's no evidence that Ted Sargent, in fact, entertained serious doubt about his allegations or obvious reasons to doubt it, which is a critical factor that this court, the United States v. Cravens, that should be taken into account. Therefore, law enforcement did not act recklessly or in bad faith. In respect to the third issue, Your Honor, the actual deterrent value in this case is low because, as the military judge found, there was no evidence of bad faith or illegality on the part of AFOSI. They investigated the case, consulted with a lawyer, sought search authorization before they passed it. Counsel, your time has expired. Yes, Your Honor. Thank you very much. Counsel for the defense. Yes, Your Honor. Good morning, Chief Judge Stuckey, members of the court. May it please the court. 
I am Major Megan Glenn-Farney, and along with Major Mark Schwartz, we represent the appellee, Staff Sergeant Jason Blackburn. The appellee did not waive the issues before this court, as the Trial Defense Counsel argued the good faith exception at trial, and the military judge and trial counsel were on notice. The Trial Defense Counsel's objection was apparent from the context of their argument, and the examination of the witnesses was demonstrated by the Trial Counsel arguing the good faith exception during motions practice, and the military judge addressing the argument in his ruling. Second, the CCA correctly held the good faith exception did not apply where the agent recklessly omitted and misstated information by not obtaining basic specifications about the camcorder to determine whether files were transferable to the other electronic devices that the agent sought to seize. This allowed the magistrate to make unfounded inferences by relying on the belief that the camcorder was digital, which was not known by the agent. The military judge, third, the military judge abused his discretion in not suppressing the evidence, as his decision was clearly erroneous, because in addition to the reckless behavior of the agent in obtaining the authorization, the same agent also significantly exceeded the scope provided by the magistrate. He did so when he personally seized over 200 of the 300 items taken from Sergeant Blackburn's home, several of which were not electronic devices, and the agent knew he did not have the authority to seize. Your Honors, this search was faulty from the beginning to end, therefore giving cause to suppress the evidence. First, I'd like to address waiver. The good faith exception was addressed by trial defense counsel in both written and oral motions practice. Trial defense counsel argued the good faith exception does not apply because the government cannot establish by preponderance of the evidence that the military magistrate had a substantial basis for determining probable cause existed. This is at JA 57 in the written motion. He went on to explain that the good faith exception did not apply because the OFI agents knew that they had no evidence connecting Sergeant Blackburn's camcorder to his computer, yet they sought a search authorization for it anyway, and then they seized every single electronic device in the house. This is on JA 16. During the oral motions, trial defense counsel reiterated their argument. He additionally addressed that the agents had access to Sergeant Blackburn's wife, who may have been able to give them clarifying information, but they never sought it, or that they could have gotten a search authorization like in Yaddo for the camcorder and then gotten a search second when they found connecting devices. But the agents, knowing how little information they had, elected to seize all electronics in his home without any connection between the devices. Your Honors, counsel are not required to represent every argument in support of an objection as long as the military judge is aware of the specific grounds of the objection. If it's not aware, it's apparent from the context, which is exactly what was here. The trial counsel and the military judge were clearly on notice. The trial counsel specifically addressed the good faith exception, explaining the... Thank you, counsel. Your three minutes are up. My first question is, how did the inclusion of the term child pornography render the affidavit reckless and therefore not trigger the good faith exception? The term child pornography evokes a visceral reaction. It ties the search affidavit and the allegation to illicit markets for the visual depiction of children engaging in sexually explicit conduct, and it significantly exaggerated his crime. In other words, what you're really arguing is the inflammatory aspect of it. Yes, Your Honor. Well, but inflammatory, is inflammatory the same as reckless? Your Honor... Reckless implies, at least in 
tort law and total disregard for duty. Um, and here, when would would it would seem a total disregard for the facts? So, what 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 what's happening here? Sure, it is tied to recklessness in this case. We have uh, Sergeant Davis or Agent Davis. I apologize. Specifically indicating that they had nothing that tied him to child pornography. They didn't have any evidence, any connections to websites, any connections to um, him possessing explicit images or child erotica, uh, that they had interviewed his wife who lived in the home with him, who had access to all of his computers and had not seen any indicators of child pornography. Uh, they had significant access to his life. And yet, they didn't collect any of this information. They didn't ask any of these questions. Um, they didn't even brief the magistrate on a profile because they couldn't connect him using any child pornography profile because they didn't have any evidence which indicated he had ever sued anything. And so it was just use of a terminology because they had an allegation of a potentially of a child potentially being known. Right. Uh, counsel, does probable cause have to exist for the good faith exception to apply under Rule 311? Uh, no, Your Honor. Probable cause does not have to apply. Um, in this case, they found that there was no probable cause for right. the CCA and the military judge. Okay. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Judge Ryan. Counsel, in addition to the fact that you said that the government did not have and it was were not made available to the magistrate, um, one fact that you didn't mention was was the fact that the daughter had said that he had asked for naked pictures of her. Is it your position that naked pictures of a child cannot be or never can be child pornography? Your Honor, naked images can be child pornography depending on what the images depict. So do you know what those pictures depicted? Did he know what they depicted? Have you seen the pictures? Uh, the, the agent hammer? Uh-huh. No. But that is why he could have made a request just for the camcorder to obtain that through a search warrant and then after seizing that and viewing it make a determination as to whether this likely would have been transferred or it could be on other devices. I mean, I, I guess my next question sort of ties into Chief Judge Stiffy's last question, which is, I mean, what you seem to suggest is necessary for a finding of the good faith exception appears to rise to the level of probable cause, right? And so if we had probable cause, we wouldn't even get to the good faith exception. I mean, is, yeah. is the OSI agent charged with full knowledge of, I mean, the, the, the dissent in this case noted that um, his affidavit shows a poor understanding of when a depiction of a 12-year-old girl in some state of undressing could depict a child would meet the legal definition of sexually explicit conduct. Why is that judge not correct when he says this does not rise to the level of reckless disregard for the truth? What's your response to the, to the dissent, that statement in the dissent? Your Honor, because it looks at more than just the child pornography, the misuse of the terminology of child pornography is a part of what the recklessness was in this case. I mean, the good faith exception requires that the law enforcement official 
have an objectively reasonable belief that the magistrate had a substantial basis for determining the existence of probable cause. And here, when you look at all of the pieces combined, you cannot come up with a law enforcement agent having an objectively reasonable belief. They did not have any information as to whether she was new on the camcorder. They knew she had never sent the image that he requested. What about the fact that there was a lawyer that was consulted and there was an experienced magistrate involved and he presented this information and they made the determination that there was probable cause? Why wasn't he justifiably able to rely on that? Part of the reason he can't rely on that, Your Honor, is the fact that the OFI agent briefed the magistrate and the attorney that it was a digital camera. And so in briefing both of those individuals that it was a digital camera, he misrepresented the fact that they knew that it could be connected to electronic devices like a computer. Thank you, counsel. Judge Olson. Good morning, counsel. In your view, why aren't there important distinctions between the facts in this case and the facts in Nieto that make a substantive legal difference? To begin with, as this court noted in Nieto, it's extremely common to view on a cell phone the videos that were taken on a cell phone. And here, why wasn't it a reasonable inference on the part of the military magistrate to say, based on common experience, that it's common to view on a different electronic device videos that were taken on a camcorder with a flip-out screen? Your Honor, part of the reason is we don't know anything about this device. We don't know anything about the size of the flip-out screen. It could very well be comparable in size to a cell phone at this time. Or some camcorders can be connected to televisions and they can be viewed that way. More importantly, we don't even know that it's a digital device in this situation. They didn't obtain any information about the camcorder at all to even know that it was digital and it could even be connected to a computer. And so without that basic information as to whether it's actually a digital camcorder that can be connected to a computer, you can't make that jump to say that it is, in fact, a device that was going to be connected to a computer. And further, they didn't have any indication, like in Nieto, that asking for something more, that there has to be some sort of basis that he backed things up, that he had a pattern. And they interviewed, like I said, they interviewed his wife for quite a bit of time talking about his computers, and she never talked about the fact that he backed things up. They never asked her for this information. And so they just didn't have that ability to make that jump. Okay. In Nieto, there also was an issue about whether he even had a laptop computer. He was Ford Operating Base in Afghanistan. An unidentified source said that he thought he had seen a laptop on Nieto's bunk at some point. Here, the OSI agents have been told that Blackburn was computer savvy. He was an NCO stationed in the United States in the 21st century. Why wasn't it a reasonable inference that, in fact, he had, he owned and used a personal computer? So even though they knew he owned that computer, they still don't have evidence that he routinely connected that camcorder to that computer or any information that could have linked the camcorder or any SD card or anything associated with the camcorder, whether, you know, they didn't have... 
seems as if you're requiring proof of things and discounting the idea of reasonable inferences based on the facts. Thank you, Judge Sparks. Good morning, Counsel. I wanted to ask you, in the preliminary part of your presentation here, I may have misunderstood you, but correct me if I'm wrong. I thought you said or suggested that the agent should have obtained a search authorization for the camera, and then once they got to the house or the premises, if they saw other stuff like the computers, they should then have gotten another search authorization. Did I misunderstand you, or did you mean to say that? Your Honor, I was referencing to Indiana. They had originally gotten the cell phone, and they took the computer, and then they called back afterwards and got an additional search authorization for the computer before it was actually searched. My point was more that they could have, knowing that they didn't know anything about the camcorder, if they had wanted to do this in a legally sufficient way and if they wanted to have a legal basis and be able to rely on this substantial basis that the magistrate had, they could have gone and seized the camcorder, seen what type of camcorder it was, learned about the specifications of the camcorder, and then been able to go back to the magistrate and say, you know, this is the camcorder that it is. In Yeddo, they knew that it was a Galaxy Samsung phone, so they basically knew what that phone was capable of doing. Here, they couldn't have even asserted that it wasn't, you know, a VHS camcorder from 1992. They didn't have any information that allowed them to say that it was even a digital camcorder. And so my point was more if they were trying to do this in a clean manner, they could have done this in steps and said, now we know what this device is, now we know it has an SD card, now we know X, Y, and Z about it. Because of that, we know that it can be backed up to this computer. Here's, you know, may we now search and seize for the computer because we do have a nexus. Okay. I understand. Thank you. I have no further questions. Judge Maggs. Good morning, Major Glantz Barney. The government argues that if we find that the specific reasoning that the CCA used was based on a waived argument, that we simply reverse. Suppose we agree with the government that there is waiver. I'm not saying we're going to do that, but if we did agree that there was waiver, do you agree that at that point we simply reverse the case? No, Your Honor. At that point, we would argue that you would return it to the CCA to do a full review of the good faith exception and the issues brought up at court, as well as the additional issue, assignments of error that were raised in front of the CCA, but the CCA had not, in fact, ruled on because they had overturned, set aside the finding and sentence in this charge. And the government says that we could rule on any other issues in the first instance ourselves, although I think the government said that we didn't have to because the CCA looked at everything and this was the sole reason. What's your response to the government's argument on that? This is the sole reason that the CCA looked at everything and the sole reason that they concluded that the good faith exception did not apply was that the government had, the agents had recklessly omitted or misstated information. Yes, Your Honor. From the CCA's decision, it appears that 
when they found an issue that they found caused the good faith exception to not apply and set aside the findings and sentences. They analyzed that, made a decision based on that, and did not further analyze the rest of the good faith exception or any other exception to excluding the evidence. So they didn't reject all the other arguments. They just didn't consider them because they were unnecessary to consider. They found them, Your Honor, yes. Thank you. I have no more questions. Counseling may continue to argue. Any judge may ask questions. Yes, Your Honor. To return back to the... Can I ask you a question that ties into what Judge Magnus asked you, which is if no other exceptions were raised and no other exceptions were decided, how could either... Wouldn't they also be waived, either for us or for the CCA? I mean, if the government is correct that the sole basis for argued at trial was no probable cause, right? I mean, if they're correct, and I'm not saying that they are, doesn't that, by implication, waive any other argument with respect to why the search was invalid? And wouldn't both they and us be precluded from addressing it on any other basis, based on our case law about waiver with respect to searches? They could reconsider it. If you were to find this waived, Your Honor, they still could reconsider it under 6060 if they find that his findings were incorrect in findings and sentencing, right? If they find that this should have... They wouldn't have considered it waived, or even if they do consider it waived, that they still want to make a decision on it, they have the ability to do so. Other questions? Counsel, this is Judge Olson. You were talking about the inflammatory nature of the reference to child pornography. And clearly, if we were dealing with lay people, if we were dealing with a panel and so forth, that could be a point well taken. But what about the fact we're dealing with a military magistrate? Why would it be inflammatory for someone like that? Your Honor, a military magistrate has nominal legal training. I mean, they do have legal training. They understand how probable cause works and what gets them there. But that doesn't mean that they cannot be swayed by the inflammatory nature of the term child pornography, and that that cannot impact their decision-making, especially considering much of what she recalled. Her testimony during motion practice was very brief. Most of it was that she did not recall much. But what she did seem to recall was incorrect based on the facts raised by the defense and the government and by both agents during their examination. And so we can't really say what would have impacted or not impacted her when the answer to the vast majority of her questions is that she did not recall the conversation. Well, in light of the facts here where Sergeant Blackburn recorded a 12-year-old surreptitiously in the bathroom prior to the girl taking a shower, previously held a camcorder over the shower curtain, and as Judge Ryan emphasized, asked the 12-year-old for nude photos of the 12-year-old, is it really a situation where betting to child pornography is that inflammatory? 
is, Your Honor, considering the camcorder of the shower curtain, she even, yes, indicated that there was nothing on the camcorder that she saw and that nothing was recorded. He alleged that it was a prank. And I understand that law enforcement agents are not required to accept the defense's explanation, but this is E.S.'s explanation as well. And the fact that his wife often, his wife explained that he was somebody who liked to prank their family. Okay. What about asking a 12-year-old girl for nude photos? Nude photos of herself. Yes, Your Honor. But nude photos on their own are not inherently child pornography. No. Right. But it goes to the point of is it all that inflammatory to have OSI agents almost in shorthand refer to it as inflammatory if you're a military magistrate who's had legal training and you know the underlying points that support the affidavit? It is part, Your Honor, it's not, it's the volume of misleading information in this case. So it's the use of child pornography as the incorrect charge allegation of offense, which is going to have that severe visual reaction that it's going to evoke. But it's also looking at whether he could have reasonably had an objectively reasonable belief that she had a substantial basis. And so it's looking at the other pieces of this search in addition to the fact that they recklessly used this term. It's looking at the fact that they misadvised or misbriefed the magistrate and the attorney that it was a digital camcorder when they didn't know that, which could have colored the legal advice that the judge gave if he had known that they didn't know that it was a digital device and that they were just inferring that it was a digital device with no background to that information. That may have changed that when his earlier advice had been to the agents that they didn't have probable cause to search his phone because he knew that there needed to be a nexus. So yes, Nieto occurred after the search, but even at the time of the search, the JAG advised them specifically, you don't have probable cause for the cell phone because you don't have anything connecting the camcorder and the cell phone. If the JAG had known that they were assuming that it was a digital camera, which they didn't have any basis for this, they didn't have any information that led them to believe that it was actually a digital camcorder, then he might have advised them differently. And so to rely on his advice based on the fact that he was misinformed about this, that doesn't make it an objectively reasonable belief, especially when Agent Davis specifically stated that it was referred to as a digital advice to the magistrate and the JAG, but he also stated that most camcorders can be connected to a computer. Even he didn't make the assessment that, oh, all of these camcorders can be connected. All he was able to assert in his own testimony was that most. And so he knew that there were camcorders that couldn't be. He knew that this jump of calling it a digital device when they didn't know that it was impacted whether all of these items that they seized from the home could actually be taken. And other questions for counsel? Counsel, you may proceed. Yes, Your Honor. I'd like to talk a little bit about 
uh, turn to the exclusion issue and why exclusion is important in this case. Uh, Could you say that again? I couldn't understand you. I'm sorry, Your Honor. Digital? No, the exclusion of the evidence obtained in the search, why suppression is important, why suppression is necessary. Uh, effectively, the third, the third issue, Your Honor. Uh, suppressing this evidence will force law enforcement officials to ensure that there's some sort of demonstrable nexus to the alleged crime. Uh, if this is not suppressed, it's going to dramatically expand the concept of probable cause and how they are able to use the good faith exception to get around probable cause, emboldening investigators to seize any number of electronic devices out of a person's home, regardless of whether there's a nexus between the device that's used in the alleged offense and all other devices in the household. And what happens is that citizens will categorically lose their Fourth Amendment protections for all of their electronic devices if they're merely because they've been accused of using one electronic device in the commission of alleged offense, all others can be seized. Furthermore, in this case, it's specific that one of the important causes for suppressing the evidence seized off of Sergeant Blackburn's computer is that it'll send a message that the law enforcement officials need to stay within the scope of the authorization. In this case, Sergeant Day was involved from beginning to end. He watched the interviews of E.S., of her mother, Sergeant Blackburn's wife, of her father, of her stepmother. He was a small participant in that process. He then briefed the magistrate on the search authorization and then went on to be the one of four agents who searched Sergeant Blackburn's home. And in doing that, he was aware that the limitation of the affidavit, because he was the one who drafted the authorization, said that they were looking for any cameras or electronic media to include hard drives, SD cards, compact disks, computers, and tablet computers that could contain evidence of child pornography or the intent to produce child pornography. He went on to seize over 200 of the 300 items taken from Sergeant Blackburn's home, some of which clearly did not belong to him. There was an iPod with the name Joseph Blackburn etched into the back of it. Joseph Blackburn was Sergeant Blackburn's brother who was residing in the home. Counsel, are you arguing that the search was overbroad? I'm arguing that they violated the scope of a fairly overbroad statement. You're arguing that it was not overbroad in the constitutional red sense, but that they went beyond the restrictions of the warrant. Was that raised below? Yes, Your Honor. It was in the written motions on JA 67 and 68. Was it an issue that we granted? It caused a reason to exclude the items seized from his home. Was it an issue that we granted? Yes, Your Honor. No. No, it was not. Counsel, you may proceed. I have one other question. Are there, and this is an electronics question, are there analog camcorders? There are camcorders, Your Honor, that are not digital in the sense that they cannot be, they're not 
know, saved on an SD card, or they cannot be directly connected to a computer. That's all right. That's fine. Thank you. Go ahead. Yes, Your Honor. Just to address the government's argument that they were concerned, part of the reason that they did the search with so little information was based on their concern of the evidence being destroyed in Sergeant Blackburn's home. To be clear, Sergeant Blackburn was detained by OSI and security forces prior to the interview of ES. So from that time forward, they did not actually have a concern of any destruction of any property or any evidence because he couldn't access it because he was being held by security forces. If there are no further questions, Your Honor, the government... Go ahead. I'm just going to briefly conclude that the appellee respectfully requests that this court affirm the rulings of the CCA and remand for further proceedings as appellee did not waive the issue before this court or waive the issue before this court at the trial level because trial defense counsel argued the good faith exception based on these arguments. Trial counsel and the military judge were on notice. Additionally, the CCA was correct in finding that the good faith exception did not apply because the agent was reckless in his omission and misstatement of information to the magistrate. And finally, the military judge abused his discretion in not suppressing the evidence, which was clearly erroneous because of the reckless behavior of the agent obtaining the authorization. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, counsel. Government has rebuttal. Yes, Your Honor. First, OSI knew that the camera was visible. On page 66 of the point of time, OSI detailed how there were two video files on the digital camera and she could not access one of the digital files. Therefore, OSI did know that the camera was visible. Second, counsel, you're very broken up. Can you try and either move closer to your phone or further away from your phone or whatever you're doing differently than you did before? Yes, Your Honor. Can you please repeat what you just stated because I think it could be important. Yes, Your Honor. On page 66 of the joint appendix, ES told OSI that there were two video files on the camera and she could not access one of the files. Therefore, OSI knew that the camera was digital and it was not reckless for them to tell the magistrate that it was, in fact, digital. Second, there was still PC. With regard to child pornography, there was still probable cause to find that he manufactured child pornography. It only had to be a fair probability. OSI was required to move the Fourth Amendment to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that there was child pornography, nor did they have to prove it was more probable than not. He filmed his stepdaughter naked while in the shower. Regardless, even if the reference to child pornography is found to be reckless, the magistrate's testimony showed she was not misled by the use of child pornography and focused on finding a video of ES. And that's critical in determining whether or not she was, if the reckless misstatement invalidates the good conclusion. And even if the use of the term child pornography was excised from the affidavit, the charge in decent recording was cited. The magistrate still would have issued search authorization based on the information provided in the affidavit. And with regard to the balancing test, 
this will not embolden law enforcement because if there's an incredibly tenuous nexus in any case, the law enforcement cannot have reasonably relied on search authorization in the case. Therefore, the good faith does not apply. But here, the CCA found that exclusion applied without conducting the balancing test. The military judge concluded there was no bad faith or illegality on the part of the side and that the deterrent remedy of exclusion did not outweigh the cost of the justice system. This conclusion was based on findings of sides that were supported by the record and were not clearly erroneous. Thus, the military judge did not abuse his discretion in finding that the exclusion was appropriate. If there are no other questions, I'll briefly conclude. Thank you, Counsel. Appellee does not prevail on any of the certified issues. The issue relied upon the grant appellate relief was waived, and the military judge did not abuse his discretion with regard to the good faith test or the balancing test for the exclusion remedy. Therefore, this Court should reverse the lower court's decision. Thank you, Counsel. Court case counsel for both sides. Case is now submitted, and the Court is in recess until 09.30 tomorrow.